Welcome. We're, we're live. We're live. We are live. Wonderful. Super excited After deciding today. or having to do a quick step edit, but we're here and we're excited to be here. And it's kind of apropos because we were going to have a guest today and we got our wires crossed. And so she'll be joining us some other time, which is awesome. And, um, but Anne and I have something else that we want to share with you, which is, you know, totally fine. So welcome to episode 11 of the Embodied Business Inspired Brain podcast. We've been on such a good roll with like so much good juicy stuff. And today I feel like we're just going to get straight to it. And yeah, I, here's, what, here's, what I, here's what I want to say. So perk up. We're going to talk about how to do a thing you don't know how to do, even when you're tired. And then let's let's do let's do another like ellipses. Even when you think you can't, even when you think you don't have time, even when you think you don't have money, even when you have self-doubt, imposter syndrome, like we could just go on and on, right? How to do a thing yeah. you don't know how to do, but you really, 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 really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to share with you some of our tricks that we've used, some yeah. of the things and tools that we currently use. I've used That's- it a lot this week. I feel like I've needed a lot of sustaining energy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. this week for sure. Well, I'd love to do a little bit of the um, where we share what's going on. Yeah, real life riff. Let's do mm-hmm. it. What's in process? What's in progress? All right. I am going to start with what's, yeah, in process, what's in progress. I am super excited. I um, will be returning for the first time in, oh my goodness. Yeah, the first time in 30 years I'm going to be going going back to a family camp. Um, the last time I was there was in 92 and I'm super excited. I'm going to be taking um, my stepdaughter and my kiddos and my brother. Unfortunately, my my husband can't make it with us. He started um, a new job and is not going to be able to make it. But um, it's been a lot of uh, getting a lot of ducks in a row to to get on that trip and um, and a lot of trust. Uh, knowing that you've built an amazing team around you to support things so that you can step away and feel replenished. So I'm really excited about, about that time off. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, have you ever watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I have, I've watched, (laughs) I've watched a few of the, like a couple of seasons, but I haven't watched like the whole, all of it. Yeah. Have you watched the, I don't know if it happens in the first season or the second one where they go away for summer camp. It's like in, the cat, in the cat skills. I, I don't think I saw Oh my that. gosh. It's a riot. But every time you say you're going to family camp, that's what I think about. And I hope for your sake is half, <laughs> half as fun and fabulous and wacky. As, I think as, it as will be. I summer think. camp and the cat skills. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's a riot. So if you haven't if you haven't seen the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it is really funny and I'm all about it. Um because of the like she's just so bold. She's just yes. so bold and she's so uh, you know, pushing against the establishment, even as she conforms to like 
you know, the 1950s mm. Um, mm, uh, image with her trunks full of <laughs> clothes and her doing her, you know, motherly duties. Anyway, really interesting show. Um, but speaking of which, I think what's in process for me, and this is a total departure from from work stuff, and I, I think it's important, though, because as much as I love my work, and I, uh, you said something recently, Anne, about how you know, even in your quiet time and space, you, your attention trance, it, it like drifts toward creation and work. Mm -hmm. And I have had that. That's just been my experience for two decades because I have always done the work that I loved. And I feel really grateful for that, no matter kind of how hard or, you know, gritty it's gotten. But what I'm really excited about is a new project that when I think about taking on something new, I immediately feel a little tired, but I feel so excited and energized. Um, and this new project is like truly, truly, truly just about having fun. Mm-hmm. It is just about sharing um, something I really believe in. And it is about, it, it's a, it will become a conduit for, um, giving back. And I, and I'm, and that's the piece I'm, I'm feeling really aligned with my friend, Gina. Um, and some of you may have, she was our first podcast guest. I think it was episode six, Gina Palooka. She is finally officially announced her departure from Google after a 16 year career in a variety of roles there. And she and I are motorcycle buddies. <clears throat> and in July, we are going on a seven-day motorcycle trip. It'll be the first long trip we've been on um, in a couple of years. And we're going up the California, Oregon, Washington coast and coming home. And it's going to be the launch of a podcast called, are, are you got to brace yourself for it. It's, it's called Kitty on the Tank. <laughs> and it is a podcast by and for women on motorcycles. Um, but also so much more. We have so much, so much more in store around um, uh, women's rights and equitability and inclusivity and supporting young women. Um, It's really going to be great. I'm so excited about it. So that's what's in process and progress for me. And we've hired an artist uh, and photographer to do some artwork for us and to take some photographs. And we're really planning um, just with the tone will be of that project. And so if you're interested in that, that's coming out in July. So feels like a like ridiculous thing for me to be doing something else. And yet um, it's like my garden, you know, like when I get to be in my garden, it's so freeing and liberating and um, detoxifying. So kind of feel like that um, about this project. Mm, I'm excited for you and I can't wait to listen. I know it's going to be one hilarious, two deeply informative, I think, because of my background and Gina's background and how they're coming together. Um, And I'm just really excited about all of the possibilities. Yeah, it'll be good. Be good. So how do you do a thing you don't know how to do? Whether you want to admit it or not, like there are things you really want and desire, but you just don't know how to go about them, right? Maybe you have some vague idea. Maybe maybe you're in this space, which I think a lot of our, our teachers are in, like 
I know it's possible. I know I can create something, put it online, make a bigger impact, monetize my knowledge. And you might even feel like you have some of the tools or the steps, but you've never done it or you've never done it successfully. And so there is this pretty strong voice, I think, within most of us that's like, I don't even know if I can do that because I've never experienced the doing of it. Right. And, and that can be in motivation science. And we've been talking about this a lot in the our embodied course creators program and in our um, long term mentoring program is. Um, oh, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Hold on. Oh, motivation, like discrepancy. Right. Like point A to point B. Here is where I am in point point A. It's where I'm at right now. And then we have a point B. But our motivation is driven by the clarity of point B and also our belief in our ability to attain point B, like get there. So it, it, the, the level of or the power in the discrepancy depends not only on um, like our clarity, but like the weight of the thing, like how badly do we want it? And then how, much do we believe we can get there, right? So, and a variety of other things. So what Anne and I really want to share with you right now um, is how do you position yourself consistently, like on a daily basis, sometimes moment to moment, right? Sometimes it takes like a hell of a lot of internal cheerleading yeah, to, to work toward a thing that you've never done before. No matter how much clarity you have, it takes a tremendous amount of effort and energy. Absolutely. And I think for different people, it works differently. Yeah. Um, But for me, I know in my life, like, I am pretty deeply impacted by my environment. (laughs) Um, And I know other people are, but I think some people are probably more sensitive to to their environment and and how it affects their behaviors than others. Um, But for me, when I have put myself into environments with others who are doing what it is I want to do, that's when I get the most impactful um, results for myself because I'm like, Oh, Oh, I, Oh, I can do this and I can do that. And um, like, I remember, you know, I, I had never gone to a, I'd always gone to public schools all the way through, through university. And then when I went to graduate school, I was going to a private school. And in the past I had applied to some private schools, but I'd been, I'd been denied by the, by the private schools. So I was like, I don't know if they're, <laughs> you know, are, can, can I be here? Am I someone who, who can, who can go to, to Harvard? Like, is that me as a graduate in graduate school? Is that, you know, I, but then as soon as I set foot on campus, I was just like, and I went and I spoke to the, to the people at the university. I was like, absolutely, I can do this. And I feel like, um, you know, and I had a lot of self-doubt and I had a lot of imposter syndrome and talk about people having imposter syndrome. Many, many, many people have imposter syndrome, you know, uh, as you, as you go up to the, to, you know, I guess fancier places sometimes, you know, a lot of people are questioning and doubting. Mm Mm-hmm whether they should be someplace or not. Yeah, the higher you go, right? The more I feel. Yeah. Like I mean, it's not like, 
of course, there's always there's always the opposite end of the spectrum of you know big egos as well. But you know, you're gonna get that anywhere. But it was really, I just feel like for me, when I have wanted a thing, and and looking back, it's always been I've I've put myself in a place where others are doing it, um, and that's where I've gotten the the best results. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that we've been talking about a lot, which is it's kind of along the the lines of what we've we've kind of chatted about before um, and maybe not publicly on the podcast, but we've talked about uh, social scientist Amy Cuddy and her work around faking it till you make it mm-hmm. um, and uh, power posing, which are tools and skills and ideas that we have definitely used and benefited from. It's a little bit like that, right? It's like you have, if you have not had the embodied experience of doing a thing or achieving a thing, you need some major effing convincing. Sometimes, particularly when you feel tired or particularly when your mind is stacking, stacking things against you, right? Because that's what the mind does, right? It's like looking out for you assessing danger, but it's not accurately assessing danger. We're like making up stories about what what is dangerous about the thing that we're doing. And when I say danger, I mean, you know, what's the risk? And so it's like we, we need somebody, something, some group of people, some experience, some tool, maybe it's knowledge. It, it's usually much more than knowledge, right? Because the knowledge only gets you so far to help us fake it, help us like commit and recommit. And we have talked about that. And I would say beyond the consistent recommitting to reinforce what Anne is saying is one of the ways that, that we hear about and they've done research on is like, if you want to make a million dollars, you got to hang out with millionaires, but you've got to put yourself in a situation where you're, you're, you're being influenced and impacted and you can see what it's like because otherwise your mind will just create roadblocks it will create mythology right that tells you that tells you that you can't so what i've been saying lately to our teachers because we're in this deep 12-week program right now and we're getting ready to to um, transition many of them into our long program and we're also promoting our retreat that's coming up and our um what I love Anne has been calling summer school, which is these um, three or four private mentoring spots that we have open. It's like, if you want to run a three minute mile, you have got to stop hanging out with the 10 minute milers. Like it doesn't work because to run a three minute mile takes a different level of commitment. It takes a different strategy. It takes different tools. It takes different knowledge. It takes different skills. And if you are not putting yourself in a community where people are like after the three minute mile and have done the three minute mile, then you, the amount of energy and emotional space, physical space, mental space that it takes to get that three minute mile without being around three minute milers is for most people impossible to overcome. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of resistance comes up around that because they're like, well, if I go hang out with a three minute miler or if I go hang out with millionaires or 
if I go to some fancy school, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm saying goodbye to others. And it's that sense of, um, of elevating myself above other people. Well, yeah. And then it's really that sense of abandonment, right? If you kind of go back mm. to that feeling, I'm thinking of the work of, um, Gay Hendricks and yeah. like, why do we sometimes choose to not up level? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper limit yeah. problems, man. It's a, yeah. So it's mm. this concept that when we desire something that we're afraid that if we get what we desire, or if we put ourselves in situations where we, we can get what we long for, we'll, we'll, we'll lose the other connections that we, we have. will be abandoned by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe wow. there are people you love who are 10 minute milers, <laughs> right? Fine. Awesome. It's not a, so, so let me, let me say this. It's not an, it's not a, um, a, like an either or position. Mm-hmm. It's not a, but position. It's an, and position. It's, I love 10 minute milers. Maybe they're your partner. Maybe they're your best friend. You can love them and hang out with them, but if you want to run a three-minute mile, you have got to surround yourself also and with three-minute milers. It, it doesn't. It's not a dualistic yes or no, right or wrong, them or you know us or them kind of situation. So if we stand back, take those three deep breaths, and we just start to create a little space. Consider for yourself how you're how how you may be holding your choices dualistically, right? And either or, because in my experience, life does not work that way. When we view life as an either or choice, we're limiting our potential. We're also limiting the people that we're in relationship, their potential. And I have definitely had that experience both in business and in my personal relationships. So maybe that's an interesting piece to consider, right? Is it doesn't ha- you you don't have to abandon or put yourself at risk of abandonment if life is not an either or situation, but it's an and situation. Like how much sweeter is that if you think about that from the embodied perspective? You know, notice, and this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I think it's a profound tool, which is notice how often you say, but mm-hmm. I love that. I love you, but I just, I have some real choice words for that. <laughs> you know, there's no, I love you, but there's, I love you. And, and I'm going to make this choice because this is me saying yes to me as an example. Um, a, a fairly vague example. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that the the number one thing Anne and I are are promoting here is if you want to do something you don't know how to do, you have got to surround yourself with people who are doing it. That's important. And let's make the distinction. People who are in process of doing it. Like Taking action. <laughs> Taking consistent, recommitted action. Struggling, failing, falling off course, getting back on course. Like that is what it's about. It's not a, it's a, not a linear, straight, un, unbroken path. 
right? It's all mashed up and messed up. But if you're not in in it with other people, you think I'm bad, I'm wrong, I can't do it, maybe I'm not good enough. You've really got to be swimming in a pool of people who are practicing it, practicing it, failing, winning, fail, you know, two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, one step back, a step sideways, a step back and sideways. You know, you, otherwise, you don't believe that you have what it takes. So you've got to be in community with people who are doing it. And then, the, and then secondly, with people who have done it, people who have already done it. Like I'm thinking about you and your motorcycling, right? And mm. how there's clearly like the strong community, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's you and one other woman like Gina or whether it's an entire community and how, you know, you started at, I believe, 40, right? Uh, uh, I was 38. It was seven years oh, ago okay. when I started. Okay. And how like that was a beginner's experience, mm-hmm. right? And how, like, can you kind of describe, I'm like curious, like how did you surround yourself with people in that part of your life? Yeah, well, when I, I had a notion for a long time, like when it first occurred to me that I wanted to do a thing I didn't know how to do, perfect, Anne, you're so brilliant. Um, I held that question in my mind for seven solid years. And, and it was even before, but for seven years, like actually my husband at the time, wonderful man that he is, when I said to him, I think I want to learn how to ride a motorcycle, our son was a year old oh, and he was like, he was like, okay. And for my birthday, my 30th birthday, a bunch of our friends chipped in and bought me the motorcycle safety class, my 30th birthday. Seven years later, I got on a motorcycle, not even a motorcycle a buddy, 125 buddy scooter. And the reason I did is because one of my dearest friends in the whole world bought one and he had one. And then Gina bought one, a Vespa. And so now I had a community, I had that, I had a three person community and it was like, now we're learning together. We're scared together. We're figuring it out together. We have questions together. We have answers together. I was so committed to that experience, not only because because clearly the wanting to do a thing by myself in isolation was not enough, right? It took me more than seven years to pull the trigger, but it took one other person and then two other people to start to like exponentially expand, one, my curiosity, two, my belief in myself, Mm -hmm. because I was constantly reflecting back on well, this is hard for me, but look, it's hard for him and it's hard for her. And now we're in hard situations together and and we can learn from each other. Like I did some things well, they did other things well. And so it's been, it's been that root, that small community, and now my community has grown. And I'm a kind of insular person in those regards. So I have a small, intimate, really intense community of motorcyclists that I trust and love to ride with. But let me give you an example, actually, which which I think is really relevant. When I started riding with my friend Max, he would say, get closer. Like, 
come in and get closer behind me. Because I was like trying to, you know, he's a he's a 30-year veteran writer. And and I would like try to give him a lot of space. And, you know, we say, ride your own ride, right? Like you're not trying to keep up with another person or or you know, that kind of thing. You gotta ride your own ride. However, again, it's non-dualistic. It's not, it's not an either or, it's an and, right? Ride your own ride and learn from the person in front of you. So that was a game changer for me. He was like snug up on my tail, like get closer to me. And when I did, it was like this, him in front, me behind. And, and we were riding so that we, I could almost instantaneously mimic his maneuvers. And it got me to do things and trust my motorcycle in ways that I would never have done on my own, ever. And I became infinitely better at riding because of that one, that one thing, get closer, like come in, get closer. It's really fantastic. That's a great, a great metaphor, a great story. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and you know, when I feel like when you, when you, there aren't many times in our life where when we do get close to people. Yeah. And like, that's so, that's so special, you know? It is so special. Yeah. Yeah. The other other final thing I wanted to add is just like, I would say in my twenties and my thirties, it took me about seven years to, there's absolute things that took me years and years to do. But now that I'm in my forties, I'm like, okay, I want to do a thing. I'm going to do it (laughs) because... There's like, you notice like there's like this time in your life and you, I, I want to experience the things now. Um, so I feel like for me, like when I want a shortcut to something, right? Like you were explaining how, how you learn things that you never would have learned with him and the speed of which you learned them was much faster. Yes. So it's like, I'm thinking of little fishes and how they like eat around the edges, right? Like you can do that with, with anything you desire for so long, mm-hmm. but when are you just going to jump in, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, go yeah. for it? And I'm just so grateful for the times, you know, there's just seasons in life and it's, it's definitely for me. And I think too, just our whole world, we've, we've been through a lot with, with everything. Um, regarding the pandemic. And I think that made me think like, you know, we know, we don't know. So if you desire something, let's, let's go for it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Uh, it's not just like people think about, and it's interesting because I was just a guest on Max's podcast and I might post that. Um, uh, It was a lot of fun. I say the F word a lot of times I realize, which is (laughs) food for thought. Um, But one of the things for me, like I've been hesitant about is joining like the big groups. And you know this about me, like I'm not really a, a, like quote unquote joiner in that way. And I think sometimes we think we have to dive in and be a part of this huge, massive community, which is one way to do it. And it is supportive. I need a little bit more nuance. I need a little bit more intimacy. That's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I like. But what I want to say is that both are valuable, right? Like being in a a 
a larger community, whether that means five people or 10 people or 500 people, is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and you get so much, like, talk about sustaining energy to do a thing you don't know how to do, even when you're tired. That is incredibly energizing because you can be lifted by the whole, right? And not feel like you're like towing the line by yourself. But then can you come in close, right? Like, can you come in close to Anne or to I or to somebody who is there to support you? And so this is the thing I was talking about when I was a guest on the podcast last week is one of the things I really appreciated about when I started to ride a motorcycle is that my parents and, and my then partner, my husband, nobody ever said, be careful. Right? Nobody said, be careful. Nobody said, it's dangerous. Be careful. They said, have a blast. I'm so proud of you. There's an insinuation of complete uh, faith in my ability and my like intelligence to make good choices. And, and when you have somebody like that in your life, whether it's a mentor or a coach or it's a, it's a, it's a person in your life, that's really important too. Who, who can you get up close to? And we find that in our programs, like some of our teachers are choosing to come in close to us, which is amazing. And we want that. And we have an opportunity we can share with you about that. It's called summer school. <laughs> like come in, come in close, man. Right up against our tail and 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 see how it's done. It's a it's a beautiful thing when you come in close. Um, and you get a vantage point that you could never get when you're sitting in the back or you're just a part of the big school of fish, which has its value too. But our teachers, what we hear over and over again is, I have, I have a partner, I have a husband, I have a best friend, I have somebody who's like, believes in me, right? We need that too. Mm -hmm. So we need the big and we need the close. They both have value and we, and we do need both. I think we, we need both, yeah. What else would what else do we want to share about how to do a thing you don't know how to do even if you're tired? Well, the biggest thing for me that supported me with being tired other than something like a coffee in the afternoon <laughs> is um is uh so I I grew up with with my mother really doing a lot of, of support for, for the home. Um, and that was a privilege that I was able to have that. Um, and, and whereas I'm, I'm a working mother, um, but I really enjoy my career. I've always done what I love, um, and continue to do so as I grow, but get for me getting support with things that I'm not a big fan of, um, domestically, mm -hmm for me, although I had to go through a lot of like, this feels too bougie. Um, you know, I should be doing X, Y, or Z, but I know other people, you know, different people come into things differently. Like, um, you know, to this day, my nearly 80 year old parents, like no one cleans their house except them, <laughs> you know? mm. but you know, I have someone who cleans my home and someone who, you know, I do my laundry every week. I have my laundry done. 
And it's it's not even that I don't like to, I mean, folding laundry, yeah, it's pretty relaxing. It's meditating. <laughs> like, I, I get it. But like, I also have small children and like many tiny little pants and undies and whatever. And so <laughs> it's just like the fact that they mm-hmm. can come to me pre-folded and I slide them into a drawer and then I'm like, and now I'm going to take take this bag and I'm going to like pull all the clo- the toys they don't need to play with anymore and donate them. Like it just frees me for things that then I'm then able to focus more on my, um, the career and the work that I love and then have the time for my family. So I'm not too over committed. And so I find that, you know, giving yourself permission, particularly, particularly if you are in the world of being a caretaker, really trying to get some support around that. Yeah. To free you up because yeah, laundry, you can do it while you watch TV. But there were many times I would just watch Netflix and not even think of doing the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's not like I'm not someone who doesn't like movie, but I just, I, yeah, for, cause for some people that's really supportive. And I just want to give, if you're someone who's been thinking about that, cause you know, you can always quit. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah, there's other things I'd like to offload too. Yeah. Let's position that in a way that I think will be supportive of folks, which is one, the thing I do is I order something called hungry root, which I don't love to cook. And what I hate most is planning to cook. And so what I do to support my own mental health and wellness and my ability to be present with my children is I do this food service. And so, and I can, whatever, total flexibility. Like I haven't gotten it for two weeks because we were gone and my kids don't eat it very fast. And But you order your food and it's just beautiful and organic and healthy. And then they, you, but you're ordering like recipes and they're super simple. So somebody delivers a box of amazing food on Monday, fresh food, with recipes <laughs> for me to follow. And then and then I just get to like, I just put the recipes on the refrigerator and, and I don't have to think about grocery shopping and I don't have to think about, because this question is my, this, I hate this question. It's like what? my top five I hate questions is what's for dinner. <laughs> and I, I, I my, my father, my 75 year old father lives on our property and although he doesn't eat meals with us very often, even when he says, well, what are we having for dinner tonight? I get instantly, I'm like, smoke coming out of my ears. It's a totally reasonable question. But I don't want to have to feel that question ever again in my life. Like, I don't want to have to think about it. I want to say, the, re- the recipe is on the refrigerator. Yeah. So so that there's that. But I love that. Uh, it's the bandwidth. It's the bandwidth. Yeah. So, but the two things I want to share with you in terms of takeaways before we wrap up is how do you know? Okay. Wait, before that, why? What, like, let's, let's, again, I'm, I'm such a fan of uh, eliminating objection. Right. And, and so you object because you're like, I can't pay for a food service for the rest of my life, or I'm the I'm the one who cooks. That's what people expect of me. Whatever your excuse is, 
and let's just call it out because it's an excuse. It's not permanent. Like the major fallacy that we have been hand delivered via the self-help economy is that balance is a thing that can be achieved as a static, finite, fixed forever moment in time where you've got everything figured out and nothing ever changes. And that's what balance means. Now I've got everything arranged and nothing can ever change because if it changes, then I'm out of balance and everything is, you know, messed up again. Balance means sometimes I need somebody to deliver my food to me for three months Let's let's be real specific. Three months, four months. Right now, Ann and I have four spots, may, maybe only three spots now, open in our summer school, private mentoring. So you say yes to that because you want to come in close and you want to be in a community of people running the three-minute mile. Let's just weave all of our analogies together. But you're like, but my job is I have kids and I have laundry and I have food and I have. So for four months, you're going to order Hungry Root and you're going to have your laundry done and you're going to delegate your oldest child to undoing the dishwasher and putting away laundry for four months. Nothing is permanent. Just choose it for a period of time to support you in doing the thing you don't know how to do and you need more bandwidth. It does not have to be permanent. Balance is not about permanence. Balance is not about fixing a thing forever. It's about choosing a thing temporarily so you can do the work that needs to be done. And then when it's done or the work eases, you stop your food service and you go back to cooking for your family. It is no big deal. It's when we keep it going (laughs) or you keep it going. It's the trouble is when we believe these choices mean something about our value or our character, they don't, they're wisdom choices. And, and I'll share with you something too, because, you know, in my, in my neighborhood, the laundry van drives up and the person, (laughs) so you know, and I'm real, quite, quite, quite good friends with my neighbors. And so they've teased me about this laundry service. <laughs> Where do you get the laundry service? And you, there's a growth that happens in you, right? To roll with it, to laugh about it, and to be like, yeah, it does come. Yeah. You know, like you have to, like, to me, let's like, there was a growth of like, okay, I'm actually going to do this thing. And then like the honeymoon, oh my gosh, it's getting delivered to me every week. And then like, oh, and now my neighbors are teasing me about it. But you know, they, the, it's like, it's all good. Yeah. Well, that's how you know you've grown is because it yes. doesn't hold so much weight. You're like, yes. there's plenty of space and I can joke yes. about the laundry man. Yes. And yes. yeah. Yeah. So the final, yeah, it's so beautiful and it's so exciting because I feel like we, we trap ourselves in our own minds, right? Like we were talking about before. And there's just no reason. There are realities, sure, we have to handle. But there's lots that we can choose and not choose temporarily. But here's what I really want to leave you all with is 
Like if you're wondering what you could delegate or stop doing or whatever, like just take those three deep breaths and notice what it is. Like one of the things that our mentor does with us, which I love, and it's kind of reminiscent of muscle testing is like in your mind, hold two things in your hands. Like it's hold the thing you want to do, but you don't know how to do it in your hand versus giving up cooking. And notice like what feels fuller? You know, what feels fulfilling? And then for a while you just put down, (laughs) put down cooking (laughs) or you put down doing the laundry and you come in close and you figure out how to make the turns. You figure out how your bike moves. You begin to trust yourself because there are just some things you can't do alone. And that's the truth. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad Kasha wasn't able to make it today. (laughs) We love you, Kasha. And we can't wait to have you on a future episode because you're amazing and people will love you. Um, But this is really a a rich conversation and much needed. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. me, it's good, Anne. Good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Well, as always, we'd like to say a big thank you for your time and attention. We know how precious it is. We love hanging out with you and serving this amazing community of inspired leaders and educators who desire to make a bigger impact and bring their whole selves to this awesome party. We hope you are leaving feeling a little inspired, refreshed, maybe even excited, and a little bit giddy. The absolute sweetest and most powerful thing you can do to support this not-for-profit, minimally sponsored podcast is to tell us how much you love us. And there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can leave us your comments and reviews on iTunes or YouTube. Both are better. And if you didn't know we have a YouTube channel, now you do. Or by sending us the occasional love letter to embodiedbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope you'll keep asking, how do I want my business and my life to feel?